This is the Six Man Show, a brand new Orlando Magic podcast with your hosts, Will Robles and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? It is April 24th, 2019. This was your podcast home for the 2019 Orlando Magic playoff run. That has sadly... Sadly is past tense has come to an end the Orlando Magic fall 96 to 115 in the Scotiabank Arena to the Toronto Raptors last night as the Toronto Raptors win the series decisively four to one the uh, old gentleman sweep the Magic took game one and Toronto beat the hell out of us from that point on yeah so I don't think we're gonna spend too much time talking about Game Five, just because it was just a, a massacre. Just a massacre, just from start to finish. Uh, Toronto just came out, knew they were the better team, knew that they wanted to close out this series, being how Philadelphia was gonna most likely close their series on the same night, and rest up a little bit, and they did. Yeah. Get ready for for that that matchup that is coming up. I mean, really, will this game came down to was. Much like the the previous four, the Magic turned the ball over and could not hit shots. Yeah, there's no difference between Game 5 and all the other games that we were talking about before. Bad defense, couldn't cover Kawhi, turnovers, couldn't make shots. It was just the same every game. I don't know that I would say we played bad defense every game. I, I oh, It wasn't horrible, but to be down by 30 points, our defense wasn't great. I think... Honestly, to be fair, I think most of this series came down to, one, the turnovers. And like we've been saying, the Orlando Magic just could not hit shots. And especially tonight, in this game, Toronto did. Just look at look at the, the, the stat sheet here. They shot 48% from the field, Orlando 38%. They shot 41% from the three-point line, Orlando 26%. It yeah. wasn't like Orlando wasn't getting quality shots. I don't know if they were rushing. I don't know if it, the moment was too big for them. I don't know if it was fatigue. Yeah, our offense wasn't bad. Like we were always like the way the way our offense was. You know, we were moving around. It's just like when the shots went up, they wouldn't they wouldn't go through the basket. Um, but we, like you said, we were getting good looks. It wasn't like the looks weren't there. The guys were open. They just throughout the series, the shots just weren't falling. I mean, just very uncharacteristically. I mean, if you if you just look at the Magic, you know, during the season, a top 10 three-point shooting team as far as percentage was. Yeah. And then, I mean, to have performances like this where we shoot, you know, 26 you know, percent from the three-point line, just 9 of 34 in Game 5. Like I said, I, I really don't know what to make of it. I don't know how to explain it. But that's what, that's what this entire series came down to. We've talked about this from Game 2 un, until now. I mean, the season is over, but it was just the Magic could not – Stop themselves from turning the ball over. Could not take care of the basketball in this game. Credit to to Toronto, to yeah. Kawhi, Siakam, Gasol. I mean, it just even Danny Green, Kyle Lowry. Yeah, just seemed like every time we drove to the rim, somebody was getting a hand on a ball. We struggled to make good passes, and when that happens, you're just putting the other team in an opportunity to be able to you know pick off the ball and and run it the other way. Yeah, I, I think too like. Watching the games, we would double a lot or try to help, and I, I think we would help too much, and then they would just swing the ball, and it was swing, 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 and guys open. So I think that that's something that I guess it's not all on, you know, because it's hard to cover uh, Kawhi one-on-one. So I guess, you you know, you do have to help, 
but sometimes the help was too much, and then they would leave that guy open at the three. That guy would just swing it to another guy. That guy would make it. Like, it was just – and that's how it was. Like, every possession it felt like. Well, I think if you just look at – I mean, it's no it's no secret that Toronto is significantly better offensively. But even yet, last year, you know, the offense took a, a huge step even with DeRozan. And when Dwayne Casey was fired at the end of last year for Toronto – yeah. Everybody turned to Nick Nurse and said, Nick Nurse is really the reason that that offense kind of took that huge step last year. So you add Kawhi Leonard. I mean, I don't think it, I'm saying this is not a hot take when I say Kawhi Leonard is significantly better offensively. I mean, really all around than DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. You're going, you know, from a guy that, yeah, he's a perennial all-star, but then to a guy who's arguably one of the top five players in the league, arguably yeah. the best two-way player in the league. So, yeah. That offense, like you said, is set up. If you're if you're gonna double, you're gonna help. Well, then we're gonna cut it out to you know shoot it out to the open man. We're gonna swing the ball all the way around. You're not gonna be able to rotate fast enough, and Danny Green's gonna have an open three. Yeah, and it wasn't just Danny Green. Like there's so many guys, um, Van Fleet, even Jody Meeks was hitting some shots. But um, like you said, Kawhi's probably one of the best two way players we have in this game, and his his three-point shot like the guy takes a shot and you feel like it's going in every time every single time um, compared to damar where damar was known for that mid-range jumper yeah. not much of a of a three-point threat but Kawhi's just he he's he's a monster i mean even siakam in this series it just felt like every time that guy pulled up you just felt like it's going in honestly the series is over we got our butts kicked at least we won a game would have been nice to win a game in orlando but I don't want to spend too much time talking about Toronto, about you know their players. We know they played better than us. We know that you know they were the better team in this series, and you know we have definitely a lot of growth that you know needs to happen internally to be able to match them as far as being able to beat them in a playoff series. Yeah, let's just go through some of our guys though. Here, these are basically their this this their playoff series averages. So Aaron Gordon. I think everybody can agree was almost far and away the best player Magic that player, we had yeah. in this series, the most consistent. 15 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 40% from from the three-point line. Nobody played exceptionally well in this series or we probably would have had, you know, a better chance. Yeah. But we've talked about this and I mean this has been said almost at nauseum at this point that Aaron Gordon this was the step that we were hoping that he would take going into the playoffs. Yeah. Now, the entire team struggled offensively, so we're not saying that he was some kind of offensive juggernaut, but especially when you look at, you know, game four where, I, you know, I think he had 24 or, or 25 points, he's hitting, you know, the, the, the threes, he's hitting the, the step-back jumpers, the fadeaways. When he's got the offensive arsenal rolling like that, that's when you get the the vision that this guy could eventually be an elite player in this league or or at least an all-star. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. But going down the line, I mean, after Aaron Gordon, 15 points, uh, seven rebounds, pretty close to his season averages. But, I, I mean, after that, yeah, Terrence Ross gave us 13 points a game, just, just under his 15 points a game for the season. But 34% from the three-point line, you know, down from 38% that he shot for the regular season. Yes, he was a disappointment, but the Raptors came into this series and, and they made it a point. We're not going to let Vooch or Terrence Ross beat us. We're going to make these other guys beat us. Yeah. With that being said, Vooch is our all-star. And I don't know that you can show me a five-game stretch, maybe since his first year with the Magic, 
maybe even counting his first year with the Magic, that he played more poorly than he did in this series. I mean, this guy averaged close to 21 points a game during the regular season and 12 rebounds. We got 11 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. I mean, for goodness sake, the guy shot 36% from the floor in this series, 23% from the three-point line. When he's a he's a guy that we count on to score all year long, and I mean to to shoot the ball well. I think to, you know he was averaging about thirty five percent from the three point line, which is about the league average. But when you have a guy like that who has the the post skills that he does to spread that floor, I mean he can shoot the the fifteen eighteen foot jumper. But for him to be able to step out and shoot thirty five percent from the three point line, and in this series. He just wasn't hitting them. Marcus All didn't really seem like he was too worried with Vooch, you know, hitting a, hitting a few threes. If that's what was going to beat them, they were more than happy to allow yeah. him to do that. I mean, like you talked about, they were doubling him, you know, in the post, and he, he just he just could not handle that. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's tough you in a playoff series when. You know, it's the first time as the team in seven years that you make the playoffs and then you have you go up against a juggernaut like Toronto is and they have time to just prep and, and plan how they're going to guard you and stuff. So they did a fantastic job covering Vooch. Guy could not get open. Even when he was open, his jumper, his shots weren't going in, his little hooks, his floaters or whatever he was shooting, they just couldn't fall. Like you said, like he shot really, he did very poorly in this in the series. Just it's tough. We'll talk more about this in a moment, but this series, as far as the the fan base perspective, has already, you know, the the perception is that it's already taken a a, a big chunk of his free agency value away. I'm not sure that I agree with that, but we'll we'll get we'll get to that in a couple minutes yeah. here. Um. One last player that I want to talk a little bit about as far as his performance in this series, just not being up to the standard that we needed to. Evan Fournier, you and I talked, you know, I think the very first episode of this show that up to that point, and that was just right after the All-Star break, that up to that point that Evan Fournier had had an incredibly disappointing, disappointing season yeah. when you compare it to, you know, the way that he played the the two previous years. I mean... Evan Fournier in this series, 12.4 points a game, three rebounds, two assists. He shot 34% from the floor, 23% from the three-point line. I mean, Evan's main role in this offense is, yes, at times he's the closer and he's the you know the pick-and-roll ball handler in the end-game situations, but Evan Fournier helps us space the floor. Evan Fournier's job is to knock down open threes. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at that – game three in Orlando that we were so you know close to to winning that game he started like oh of nine from the floor before he hits that three in the the right short corner that's the only shot that the guy hits the entire game that cannot happen yeah I mean we're paying this guy what 17 million dollars exactly over the next you know two, two years season. after this season and god bless Rob Hennigan wherever you are I hope you're doing so well but what was Rob Hennigan thinking giving this guy a fifth a fifth year player option? I mean, I just looked looked it up. Evan was making one or two million dollars the prior year. So this guy got like a fifteen or or a sixteen million dollar pay increase 
But to keep him in Orlando, you felt like you had to give him a fifth-year team option. Why? Just because we had the salary cap space and just throw it at the guy, and then you go and pay Biombo $18 million a year or whatever the case may yeah, be? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that Hennigan did. What that, a freaking mess that, that free agency sense, was. But I don't know what we do with Evan. I mean, a lot of people, and deservedly so, are ready to throw him off the freaking boat. Yeah, but it's tough because, like, you fall in love with a player that's been there for five, six, seven years. And personally, I love Evan. Yeah, when I he, love When him. he's playing well, I mean, yes, you are you have to deal with the, you know, the occasional bad shots, the hero ball or whatever. But when he's playing well and when he's playing within the confides of the team's offense, he's, and I mean, if he's shooting the ball well, he can be a, a very, you know, good contributor. I don't think that he's ever going to be the, you know, I mean, definitely not going to be the second or maybe even third best player on a championship caliber team, but definitely a guy that can help you win games. But this season, I mean, his struggles, I mean, $17 million a year. I don't even know how we trade the guy. Yeah. I mean, without it costing one of the, the young assets, you know, or a, or a first-round pick or maybe even multiple picks. And, yes, I mean, he's dragging this team down. But at the same time, I don't think you can afford to trade him. Yeah. Maybe if you, you know, I, I don't know if Markel Fultz is going to play the, the two next year if he's healthy or – Maybe he starts and DJ is the the backup point guard, or or Terrence Ross starts at the shooting guard position, and and you have Evan Fournier coming off the bench and he's able to play against that that bench unit, you know, talent level. But I mean, I just don't see any way for us to get out of that contract without mortgaging part of our future. And as much as I hate to say it, I think right now the best option is just going to be to hold on to him for another year and then going into the next offseason, that 2020 offseason, see if you're able to, I mean, he'll be an expiring contract at that point. Yeah. You know, heading into that 2020-2021 season when his contract expires, see if you can move him then. But I just don't see see us being able to get rid of that contract this year. Yeah, my hope is that now that the, the season's over, the players can look back onto the season, see how we made the playoffs, see how good, like Coach was always saying, you know, you guys are better than you think you are. And just this off season, hopefully Evan gets in the gym and just works on everything he can and comes back three, four times better than he was this season. Yeah. Because if he can, if he can knock down those shots and not turn the ball over and stuff like that, I think he's worth the seventeen million. It's just it depends how good he can be and how how efficient he can be with knocking those shots down. I I don't understand how you can say that he's worth seventeen million dollars. Well, you got you. I mean, you have guys that are getting paid twenty million that are worse than Evan. That is true. So, However, I once again, I think that's just all of an aspect of that summer where the salary cap rose. And I mean, at the time, like guys were just getting paid all kinds of crazy money. I think Nick Batum got paid, uh, Alan Crab, Mozgov, Biombo. So yeah. The market is like, oh, well, these guys that are kind of average, and I think everybody, I don't know what they were thinking. They thought that the salary cap was just going to keep rising like this every single year. That was going to be the new market norm or whatever the case was. But looking back at it now, I mean, I Evan Fournier is not worth $17 million. There's, there's no way his next contract is anywhere near $17 million well, unless he turns a real corner. That's what I'm saying. Hopefully he can turn the corner. Obviously, right now he's not worth $17 million, but... If he works on what he needs to work on this summer and he can really improve and knock down those shots in a in a league that's driven by shooters, 
if he can knock down those shots, he he can be worth seventeen million. This is the great thing about this show and ha- and doing a show with your best friend is I love you and we're gonna agree to disagree right now. So if next season, Evan comes out and he starts, he's averaging twenty five points okay. per game. That's you're gonna not tell me gonna he's gonna not, happen. but you're telling me he's not worth seventeen. If that happens, yes, he'll be worth seventeen right, million. Let's just see what happens. I would bet you a thousand dollars though that that's if not you, happen. Evan, if you're you ever listen to the show, <laughs> like, <laughs> work on your shot, average twenty five. And Will Next will season. get $1,000 John's going to owe me $1,000. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I think, I think you're headed in the right direction. Not worth $17 million, but I do think w- w- there's there's something. This might be – I don't know if this is anything, but it might be something, what you're saying. Go ahead. Evan's had a rough year. If he can bounce back next year and play you know, up to the standard that we've been accustomed to, it'll be easier for me to swallow that $17 million. If Evan can get back to playing the way he has the, you know, the last couple of years, averaging 17 points a game or, or, you know, whatever he's been averaging and get, you know, closer to, um, you know, the, the 36, 37%, you know, that he was probably shooting from, from three. Yes. I mean, not only will that give our team a huge boost because I mean that you saw that three or four week span when he was playing really, really well, that catapulted us into the playoffs. You and I talked about the two players that were really going to be important for us to get into the playoffs. Jonathan Isaac and Evan Fournier. Those guys played well. I mean, yeah, we just lost 4-1, to one, but we were in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, but yeah Evan is – I just don't see us being able to move that contract this offseason. But I do agree with you. He can play better. He can get closer to making that contract a little bit more bearable. And then maybe we can move it the following offseason. But people that are ready to throw Evan overboard, I completely understand. But just pump the brakes. I don't see us being able to move him, you know, this offseason. Yeah, and like I said, hopefully he get, he improves this offseason. And if he does improve and we can, you know, he's worth keeping, then we keep him. And if not and he's he's better, we can trade him. Yeah. I feel like if, if, if they see that he's improved – and he's worth, you know, the 17, then I'm sure we can find some team like Phoenix or something that, that might be willing to, to trade. But, yeah, just it all it all entails in, on him just improving this, yeah. this offseason. And just like the same goes with the, the rest of the team, if everybody can improve, I don't I don't see why we, we won't make it to the playoffs next year. Yeah. Well, let's just talk a little bit about, you know, the, the big, you know, picture here for the Magic making the playoffs and, and having team success. Because I've got to tell you, I mean, just scrolling through, you know, Facebook today, I'm in a couple, you know, Orlando Magic fan groups on Facebook. And we haven't seen this since January, but I started to see it bubble up again today. We should have just tried to tank for a lottery pick. <laughs> I don't – whoever wrote that, I can tell you, was not at the Amway for games three or four. That energy, like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, like, this is like – addictive like this feeling like if there was a pill I could wake up every single morning and take that pill and feel that high yeah I'd be strung out I'll be 100% with you I would be strung out I feel like you wouldn't even have to be in Amway to feel that like just being on Church Street during the playoffs and feeling like everybody Wall Street yeah yeah just you know seeing everybody outside and and watching these games like you feel it just being outside in Orlando yeah. Um. Outside the arena, so people that are that are saying we should have should tank. I mean, they have no idea out. what they're talking about. Makes no sense. But I mean, 
I was looking at the the ESPN predictions a little while ago for what we were you know predicted to win you know this season. We were you know ESPN had us winning thirty games yeah. this season. So to to go from that and then once again you know just being doubted from the very beginning of the season, then you know January the end of January being eleven games under five hundred, fighting all the way back, clinching you know the the playoff position in Boston. And then beating Charlotte the very next night. Just, I mean, just starting on that run and just going all the way through this. I know people are probably sick of us saying this, but this playoff experience was just so invaluable. You can, I mean, right right after, you know, the game, they're talking to Aaron Gordon in the locker room. And he's saying, yeah, you know, this hurts, but we'll be back. How How can you look at one of these guys and I mean, yeah, this, everybody's talking about how top heavy this draft is. You and I don't watch all that much college basketball. No, I rarely watch. But you know, mm-hmm. we are familiar with the with the Ja Morants, the Zion's, Cam Reddish. You know, the the top guys that are you know um, R J Barrett, Barrett, the top guys that are supposed to be coming out of this draft. Everybody keeps saying that this is a very top heavy draft. So how are you going to tell me that getting the the eighth or or ninth, maybe even tenth pick in a top heavy draft is better? Then Aaron Gordon going into the offseason like, you know what? I saw what it takes to be a great player in this league playing against Kawhi five straight games. I saw the intensity that you have to bring defensively to be a defensive player of the year, NBA Finals MVP. Jonathan Isaac looking at Pascal Siakam, a guy who's three, four years older than him and being like, that's the caliber player that I want to be. This is going to motivate these guys going into the postseason like we have not seen so far in their careers. Yeah. You're talking about Evan getting in the gym, you know, this off season. We yet to discuss whether or not we bring Vooch or, or Terrence Ross back, but this is going to fuel those guys. And like you said, with the motivation and the improvement that these guys should have going into next season, I don't see any reason as of today, why we can't make the playoffs next year. So I just think that that's a, a ridiculous way of thinking that yeah, we should have tanked or, or that this wasn't worth it because we lost in five games. Get out of here. Like, to me, that's just that's just a flawed way of thinking. Yeah, and as a fan, I don't see how you would want to see your team tanking. <clears throat> it, it just doesn't make sense. Like, I'd rather see my team in the eighth spot or the seventh spot like we were than to see us down 30th spot or whatever, last place, like. You're so sick of watching your team lose so much time year after year after year. I don't get how you could be like, yeah, let's let's go, let's tank for another year. Oh, exactly. you know what? Next, year, let's tank for another one. Like, tanking's over. We made the playoffs. We shouldn't be expecting the the tank no longer. The only time that I'm a proponent for tanking is when you've already been mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, like we have been a lot of the last five six years. I love Mobamba. I love what I think his potential is going to be defensively, but right as of it, as it is right now, it's no secret that Luka Doncic is head and shoulders better than than most rookies and definitely Mobamba. If we lost, I think it was like three more games last year, and we went on a little bit of a of a hot streak the last four or five games of, of last season. But if we would have lost like two or three more games, we would have had that Atlanta pick that they. You know, traded. Well, wasn't it that we lo- we won the final game, and we could have lost that game? It might have even come Something down to like the that. final game, but the pick that Atlanta used to trade with 
you know, Dallas, Dallas yeah. they picked Trey Young, you know, um, and, you know, Dallas got Luka Doncic. That could have been us. We could have had either a, a Trey Young or, or a Luka Doncic. You know what I mean? So once you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, I kind of I get the, the thinking with tanking. At that point, you're, you're playing for nothing, you know. But I can even understand the argument. People say you should never tank. You should always try to build a winning culture. I get that, that side of it also. But at this point, with the, the experience that these guys are getting in the playoffs and the improvement that they've made and the improvement that I expect them to make going into next season, miss me with all that other crap. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing that, you know, that I think that we can you know, agree on as fans is looking to the future – you know, the bright spots that we have on this roster when you talk about Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, Markel Fultz, Mo Bamba. I think everybody's getting really excited about those guys. I think one guy that kind of gets left out is Wes Awundu. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, that we picked in the second round last year that didn't look like a long-term, you know, yeah. rotation option. And then this year, just knocking down, you know, open shots getting to the rim, playing defense. He, he gets fouled, you know, more often than you would think yeah. plays great defense. I mean, I fully expect the magic to exercise his team option, you know, bring him back next year. But I mean, those five guys, I mean, we've got a solid core, you know, Jonathan Isaac, I mean, held his own against Siakam, you know, defensively. I, it's no secret that Jonathan still struggles offensively. But when you look at a guy like Siakam, he's four years older than Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac has plenty, has plenty of time to develop into the defensive, you know, player of the year that we think he can be or perennial all-star that we think he can be. Yeah, I feel like people forget too, like this is just Isaac's second year and it's basically his first year because he missed half of last season. So he's still like getting used to, to the league and stuff like that. So like you said, he's got... You know his his potential is so high, and Aaron and he's Gordon got, is twenty three. Yeah, it's our his guys fifth year, are young, but he's twenty three. You know, our guys are young, so we're all they're only gonna get better. So, I'm I'm so excited for the next one. Season. The one thing that um I I kind of question is the thoracic outlet syndrome with Fultz. You know, yeah, he's he's been rehabbing, but they talked about that if the rehab you know isn't successful enough that the um the thoracic outlet decompression surgery is an option brandon ingram you know that missed the last part of the season with the you know the um blood clot uh that he had he underwent that surgery the thoracic outlet decompression surgery so i I, i'm interested just to see how fultz's recovery is going and if it doesn't go well if that's you know still an option for him but um, one of the guys that came to the um, the watch party last night at Buffalo Wild Wings with us, shout out to those guys. Thanks for coming. We had yeah, a great time with it. you guys. Um, but brought up the fact that at this point, if the rehab wasn't working, they would probably be exercising some kind of you know surgery or something like that. Because now we're, I think, close to five or six months into him just rehabbing. So, I mean, he talked about the fact that they thought that they figured something out, like they were on the right track. So, Right now, I don't think we have any reason to think otherwise. Now, whether or not he's ever going to be able to regain that sweet jump shot that he had at Washington, that remains to be seen. But once again, we traded the guy for nothing. But if he can become the, the guy that we hope and, and think he can become, man, watch out in another three or four years. I feel like even team. if he's like 80 or 90% of that guy, it was worth the trade. Absolutely. So, 
And then Bamba, you know, he's swole Bamba. He's just going to put on muscle. Um, once again, you know, that was a, an injury that the team said and pretty early on that because they caught it so early that they were going to be able to avoid surgery. So I'm hoping that's still the case. We haven't seen him, you know, doing too much on the court stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's just as of right now, it's kind of a mystery. They just haven't talked much about it. Yeah, exactly. So just everybody stay encouraged. Yeah, we lost four to one, but we lost four to one to a great team. The the roster, the, the core that we have, I mean, even if worst case scenario, Vooch and Ross both walk this offseason. Yeah, we'll probably take a little bit of a, a step back next season if we lose both of those guys. But I think three, four years down the road, this team is set up to, to be a contender, you know, in the East for a long time to come. I think you agree. Yeah, I feel like these guys, the way that they're heading and the development, <clears throat> they should be looking real good three or four years down the line. It's just it's up to them and how they want to develop and how much effort they want to put into to working hard. Let's talk a little bit. I know that you and I, you know, we're, we've talked how even going into the off season, we're still going to be doing the show each week, releasing on Mondays. So we've got a lot of content, obviously, now that the Magic have been eliminated that we kind of have to stretch over the off season just to you know keep things fresh and interesting. I do want to talk a little bit about free agency right now though. So looking at, you know, what we would classify as the team's restricted free agents going into next year, going to be Troy Coppain, Ken Birch, Darrell Martin, Emil Jefferson, and Jaron Grant. Those all those guys are going to be restricted free agents. Which of those guys uh, would you like to see back and realistically you think that we will bring back? Um, out of those guys, I would love to see Birch back. Um, it just depends whether or not we keep Vooch. But for me, I feel like Birch would be one of the best to keep. What about you? Um, I mean, I don't know too much about, you know, with the, the collective, bargaining, collective bargaining agreement that we have right now, how the two-way player contracts work. If we can keep guys like Copain and, and Jefferson, if we can keep those guys on two-way contracts, I would like to be able to do that yeah. just because I think, you know, Jefferson is a high-energy guy. Copain is a guy who, can, you know, has a nice stroke, can shoot it a little bit. So if we can keep those guys playing in Lakeland, I do like the fact that we have a, a farm team just right down the road that plays a good brand of basketball. They've, you know, been in the playoffs in the, the G league. Yeah. They, you know, it's a, it's a competitive team. I like the fact that they're getting meaningful minutes down there when they do play. And I like the fact that, you know, if we have a guy get hurt that, you know, they're just an hour and a half down yeah, the road, can you can bring them, them over. Yeah. Like you, I really would like to keep Birch. I think he's the, he would be everybody's number one pick off of that list. But once again, it's going to, you know, depend on whether or not we bring back Vooch. I just think if you have Vooch and Bamba, I mean, that that's going to eat up the majority of Birch's minutes. And I think he's going to realize he could probably make some more money elsewhere, get some more playing time. And I think, you know, teams like him, I think they like his defense, they like his energy. I think he'll probably be able to sign an offer sheet that's a little bit higher than the, what the Magic you know, would to be pay. able to, to pay, just kind of out of the, the necessity or the lack thereof with him, just because if we do bring back Vooch, we've already got two starting caliber centers, and he would just kind of be expendable at that point. But another guy that I really would like to bring back would be Jarrell Martin. I just think he gives us a little bit of depth and size at the end of the bench, high-energy guy. He can really shoot it. So definitely burst number one. 
And then Jarrell Martin would be the other guy that I would like to to, to keep in, in restricted free agency. A guy that's an unrestricted free agent, Michael Carter-Williams. We'll see what happens with him. I know a lot of people were big fans of Isaiah Briscoe, ourselves included. Yeah. Um, I think they're probably going to have to decide which one of those guys to bring back. I just don't think it makes sense to bring both of them back. So we'll see. Who, what's your preference there? Real quick, real quick. So we're saying no to Grant. Because there is oh, no we didn't mention. Even, we didn't even no we mention. Didn't even mention Grant. No, Jaron Grant. Unfortunately for him, he's gone. Yeah, he's I'll gone. be I'll be surprised if he is on an NBA roster on opening night next season. Yeah, Jaron Grant seems like a really nice guy. Uh, he seems oh, yeah, pretty well spoken, nice. but I just I don't want him on my team. No offense, full yeah. offense. Don't want Jaron Grant on my team. And uh, Michael Carter Williams, I like him. His his defense has been pretty solid. His offense has just hasn't, horrid. Yeah, hasn't been there. But I mean, I would like to see him back. It's just I don't know. It just depends. For me, you know, I think whichever one of those guys we bring back, they're going to end up being like an end of the bench guy. Yeah. Michael Carter Williams might come in. I mean, he might be a backup two or a backup three just because of the size that he has, and he can give you you know a lot of you know great minutes defensively. Yeah. But with DJ and Fultz both being on the roster, I expect one of those guys to start, and whoever doesn't start, obviously, to be the backup. So bringing back Michael Carter-Williams or Isaiah Briscoe, I don't think they're going to get much playing time unless you know Michael Carter-Williams, now that I'm kind of talking and thinking this out loud, might be the more logical pick to bring back just because of what we just said end of game situations when you just need a stop I think he has a little bit more defensive versatility just because of his size and I mean Isaiah went down and it just really sucked that he had to be the guy to get cut but Michael Carter Williams came in and and saved our season and up to that point switching from Isaiah from Jaron Grant to Isaiah Briscoe saved our season so I'm I'm kind of indifferent about this. I I would love to see Isaiah back, but I could see you know why they might go with Michael Carter Williams over Isaiah Briscoe to to just fill one of those you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen spots on the active roster. Yeah. All right. Um. Last thing uh, that we're really gonna talk about here for a few minutes, you know, before we end this week's show is gonna be our two major unrestricted free agents heading into next year. Whatever we say, there are people on both sides of both of these arguments. Somebody's not going to be happy about what we say here, so we don't care. We're just going to live with it. Let's talk about Terrence Ross first. Just the the season that he's had, how vital you know he was to this team's success. Just that punch off of the bench, the yeah, shooting, the human torch, the spacing, just literally a microwave. The guy would just come off the bench and just start scoring in bunches immediately. After last night's game, they're talking to him in the locker room. Dante Marcatelli is saying, you know, you have a, a big summer ahead of you no matter what. We wish you the best. We would love to see you back in Orlando. Yeah. I think overwhelmingly, I would say upwards of 85-90% of Magic fans want to bring him back. There are some nut jobs out there that for some reason can't stand him and want to see him gone. What's your take? Um, I would love to see him back. I mean, he's like you said, he's one of the best players that can – one of the best players coming off the bench in the league and he can he can stroke it you know he makes those threes for us so we'll see what happens but i would love to see him back i would love to see terrence back absolutely 100% but it has to be at the right price point oh yeah we can't overpay for him i don't i don't think he's worth that much yeah um i think um 
a guy that that we've talked about a little bit. I'm mean, funny enough that we just you know played against that. If Terrence Ross happens to walk, I would love to see Danny Green in an Orlando Magic uniform. Very solid well, defender. Danny, yeah, Danny Green's a way better defender than T. Ross. I, I mean, if you just watched this series, I, w- I would say yes because it, it seemed like every other play that second unit that Fred Van Vliet was just blowing past him and getting to the rim. Yeah, uh, he's so athletic. And so quick, I don't really understand why at times he just seems like a cardboard cutout on defense. But I don't, I don't think that's what he brings to this team. I don't think we expect that from him. What we need from him is him to come off the bench, hit those threes. So yeah. I, uh, we're gonna have to wait to see, you know, how the market develops. I don't think this is. I mean, unless he really, really, really wants to stay in Orlando, which I feel like he does, but just how much we're gonna find out. I don't think he's gonna be one of those guys that signs at twelve oh one on midnight of, I think this year it's July 7th. Um, I think it might be a guy that might just wait to see how the market develops. And if he can go and get, you know, 14 or $15 million, more power to him. Yeah. Me, the way that, like you, like you said, he sometimes can be a defensive liability. The fact that we're going to have to make some free agent signings one way or another, whether it's bringing those guys back or, or paying, you know, somebody else. It's it's just gonna come down to to the money. I would be more comfortable paying him about ten or twelve million dollars a year. I don't think one you know once we get to the fourteen fifteen million dollars, that's a little bit high. But yeah, once again, it, it. it always comes down to the years. Like if it's a fifteen million dollar a year contract for one or two years, then really not a big deal. But if you're gonna sign him to like a three, three or a four, four yeah. year fifteen million dollar contract, I just don't think that you can do that. Now, drum roll, please. No, I'm just kidding. Nikola Vucevic. This is, I mean, this is what the entire offseason is is going to come down to. This fan base is going to be divided on this the entire summer. One thing I want to say right now, I want to get this out of the way. Right now, if you think that this team is immediately better if we just get rid of Vuce, just stop. Because that that's just that's just silly. You can look at all the numbers in the world that argue against that. It's just that's just ridiculous. There are people that think that these two things can't happen at the same time. People don't think that we can re-sign Vooch and yet not mortgage our franchise's future. They, they think that if we, we bring back Vooch, that we're screwed for the next five, six years. That's not necessarily true. The yeah, two aren't so. dependent on each other. Okay. With that being said, I don't think that this playoff series hurt his value as much as some people um, I think just such a you know savvy defensive team making him their primary focus where you don't really have a lot of options to or I mean you don't have a lot of players that the other team necessarily needs to pay a lot of attention to because if you give them the ball as long as you rotate and close out in time they're probably not going to have a chance to score yeah we don't have a guy like a I mean freaking Damian Lillard let's just 37 footer last night just one of the best shots that I've ever seen in my life but we don't have a guy you know just that's just an example we don't have a guy like that that you can just throw the ball to and is going to go and get his shot no matter what and get a good shot no matter what you know so I think people are I mean he played terrible I'm not trying to defend the way that he played in this series but I think people are blowing it up just a little bit too much we knew that as well as he played, he does have some shortcomings offensively. Mm-hmm. You could see it with guys like Marcus Gasol, like Jonas Valanciunas, bigger guys 
in the post gave him issues yeah. all year long. Yeah. Okay, so Marcus All doing just that, giving him a lot of problems, isn't exactly like breaking news. You know what I'm saying? So for them to once again make him such a a big you know part of their defensive schemes and us not really have somebody else to be able to bail him out, I think really hurt him. He really had no where to go with with yeah, the ball. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, he played terrible, but I don't think this hurt his value as much as, as, as some people think. However, if Sacramento, who's rumored to, to be after him, or Dallas, who's rumored to be after him, but I guess now they're also rumored to be going after Kemba Walker, if one of those teams is going to give him a four- or five-year contract for $20, 22000000 million, or whatever his, you know, he's eligible for for the max, have fun. I mean, I don't think the Magic are in a position to really pay anybody that kind of money right now because I don't think this team is really going to be able to take that next next step to be an actual contender for at least, I would say, another two, three years at the earliest, realistically, probably three to maybe four years. I could be wrong. I was wrong about this entire season. But with Vooch, if he wants to stay... If he's willing to take somewhat of a discount, this is probably going to be his last big long-term contract. So if he is willing to take a little bit of a discount and you can sign him for two, three years at 16, 17, you might even be able to talk me into $18 million a year. If you can talk him into a contract like that, I don't think Bamba is ready to take the kind of step that a lot of people think he is. Coming into the league, he's incredibly raw offensively, one. Defensively, he started to pick it up right before that he you know, yeah. he got hurt, but wasn't quite the defensive force that I think a lot of people thought he was going to be coming into the league. Now, him having a year on the bench, him putting on muscle, him seeing what it takes to win in the playoffs, that's all going to help him to be better going into next year. But Jonathan Isaac was a project. We knew that Aaron Gordon was a project. We know that Mo Bamba is going to be a project. So why not have an all-star caliber player placeholder while Bamba develops? Yeah, that makes sense. How, how do you feel about the, the situation as a whole? How much money are you willing to pay for him? Years? I'm, what's yeah, his value not, like elsewhere? I'm not too sure how much money I would give to him. Um, you know, I, Obviously, I don't want to give him a max, and I don't want to give him max years. Um, just because I don't know where we're going to, as a team, I don't know where we're heading. Um, you know, obviously we're heading in a positive direction, but, you know, to give them 20, 25 million is ridiculous. But hopefully, like you said, hopefully, you know, he'll take a hometown discount and he'll stay because now he knows, like, hey, we can make it to the playoffs. I've been here the last seven years. You know, this is where I want to be. And hopefully he'll accept less. But I would love to keep Vooch. I just think. He he's gonna. I feel like he can get better too with his shooting defensively. The way he's he he sees the floor too, and he can pass as a seven footer. He he's he can he can still improve, and hopefully he can still be a an all star next season. But to to pay him a lot of money this off season, it's tough. The one thing I will say is, yeah, I want to keep Ross. I want to keep Vooch. If we don't, to me, it's not the end of the world, and I might be. You know, putting a little bit too much faith into Jeff Weltman and John Hammond, but whatever they do this off season, I'm gonna believe is the right, the right yeah. move, the the right thing to do. Everything that they've done, you know, since day one, 
so far with drafting, you know, Jonathan Isaac. I have no reason, you know, to to be kind of wishy-washy on those guys or, or not, you know, have the utmost trust in them. So whatever those guys decide to do this offseason, as a fan of the Magic, somebody that cares deeply about this team, I'm going to say I might not agree with this decision, but I believe in the long term that this is going to be the right move. Yeah, same. You know? Um, with them, with Coach Coach Clifford, you know, I like you like you said, I feel like whatever they decide, we can roll with and we can accept. Yeah. So I mean, as long as our team is improving, um, and the guys just play hard, like Coach Clifford's been having them play, and you know they just keep getting better, then I'm fine with whatever decision they make but yeah so we'll like we said we'll talk more about you know the the free agency and all these things in in the weeks to come did just want to talk about that briefly because right you know the iron is still hot as they say you know people are up in arms ready to you know throw vooch off of the i4 eyesore you know what i mean like people are just ready to to ship him out tomorrow so we did just want to talk a little bit about that but Playoff run is over. The season for the Orlando Magic is over. Um, this has been a, a really fun two months that we've, you know, I think it's been about two months that we've been doing the show yeah. now. Um, you know, just a, a great to be on this run, you know, this ride with everybody. We've had a lot of fun, you know, doing the show and interacting with you guys on, on a daily basis ha- has just been great. Recently, we have kind of um, ticked up the amount of shows that we're putting out. We just wanted to stay current, you know, with you know from from game to game in the playoffs, bring you guys as much coverage and content as we could. But going into the off season here, we are going to go back to our weekly um, Monday releases, and as you know, we go through the off season, we are going to be bringing you know over the next few months as the playoffs continue to play out and into the finals, brief playoff updates just to give you guys kind of a current events of what's going on in the in league NBA, and yeah. in the NBA and, and things like that. But going into the off season, once again, we are going to be trying to bring you guys some pre-draft and draft coverage. Uh, we're going to, once again, we don't, you know, really watch too much college basketball, but we're going to do our best to research all the mock drafts, look at where the magic are picking, um, do some, you know, prospect profiles of um, which players might be available at 16 where the magic pick see what the team needs are, see what positions really need to be filled. We'll do our best going through all that stuff. Of course, we're going to go through the NBA free agency, every transaction and move that the the Orlando Magic make. We'll also probably talk briefly about signings throughout the league and, and things like that. So make sure that you're coming back to the six-man show each Monday to get your Orlando Magic coverage. Do our best to bring you guys all the the news and updates as we go throughout the offseason here. We'll talk about the summer league once that gets started after the draft. And then we'll also talk about as we get started into, you know, media day, you know, regular season predictions. We'll talk about the preseason and, and everything like that. We do have, you know, some some things lined up this summer that we think are, are going to be really great, some great content, some exciting stuff that we're trying to line up for the summer. So just stay tuned to the six-man show. Once again, we're going to be bringing you guys updates every single Monday. You know, we appreciate you guys listening the past two months. You know, like John just said, it's been fun. It's been a ride. You know, we made the playoffs. So it was a perfect time to start start this podcast. And, you know, again, thank you. Thank you all who are, who've been listening 
to the show and just we appreciate it. Absolutely. We love you guys. But this has been the Sixth Man Show. This is John. This is Will. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!